0: Oh, and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And along with Liz Gumbiner, we're the co-founders of coolmompics.com. Today, we're going to be talking about all things perimenopause with Dr. Micaba Williams. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week, so I am so thrilled to have Dr. Makeba Williams here with me today on SPOND. She's an associate professor in the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the division director of the Division of Academic Specialists in General Obstetrics and Gynecology. I don't think I've said those two words that many times in a row before. <laughs> she was recently named vice chair of professional development at Washington University St. Louis Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Dr. Williams has a clinical focus on treating midlife menopause women, hello, and has earned the designation of Certified Menopause Practitioner from the North American Menopause Society. I didn't even know that was a thing passionate about resident and medical student education, she established the UW Health Menopause Clinic in 2016 to train the next generation of physicians to meet the healthcare needs of midlife and menopausal women, yes. And she has been honored with numerous national and local teaching awards. Let's just say, I am so thrilled and feel so lucky to have such an esteemed guest on SPAWN today. So welcome, Dr. McAva Williams. Hi, how are you? I am fantastic. How are you today? Well, uh, you know, we already talked about this. I'm thrilled and I'm sure our listeners know how excited I am to talk to someone about perimenopause. If they follow me on Instagram, they know it's a thing that I've been struggling with and very openly been talking about. So let's just dive right in. I think the big question that maybe you don't have the answer to, and maybe you do, that's why you're here, is when does perimenopause actually start? Like, are there things we can look for? Is there a time frame? Like help us all out with that. Absolutely. There is a
1: lot of misconception about menopause, perimenopause, and I'm a teacher at heart. I have a nine and an 11 year old girl and a boy. And so I like to go back to the definition. And I think that's a good place to sort of level set so that we're speaking the same language and it empowers individuals when they're going in seeking care in this area. So menopause is that time and In our life, that we are no longer having menstrual periods. We make a diagnosis, it's a clinical diagnosis that is made after 12 months without menstrual periods, and we call that natural menopause. There will be certain circumstances where the periods are stopping because there's been surgical intervention or some other medical interventions, but for the most part, we're going to make that diagnosis after 12 months, no menstrual periods. That term perimenopause just really means that time surrounding the period in which our periods are beginning to stop. So perimenopause on average begins about age 45 and can last about seven years. The average age of menopause when all periods cease is about 51 years in this country. So we do have some good barometers for how long these symptoms will last, how long this transition to the final menstrual period will last. So that's about seven years. So you're Right smack in the middle of when we expect these changes to occur.
0: Yay! So I win. You win. <laughs> I win. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, something. I win something. I Basically, I win really bad mood swings, night sweats, and hot flashes. <laughs> it's basically what I want. But let me ask you that. I mean, full disclosure, I still am pretty regular, have a period every month. It's a little longer, it's a little more painful. And most certainly, I am seeing some of those symptoms that I. I think are related. And I know you're going to clarify that, which for me, it's been a lot of night sweats. It's been more painful, longer periods. So am I technically in perimenopause? Is there something else that I'm in?
1: You're likely in perimenopause. So the interesting thing is a lot of people will say I'm menopausal, you know, my body is wreaking havoc. What the data and the evidence and the research shows us, the most symptomatic time period in this midlife transition is actually this perimenopausal phase. The hallmark of this perimenopausal period, the sort of first sign, I should say, is when our periods begin to change subtly. They may gradually get a little bit longer. So you may notice like you're bleeding for an extra few days. There are these changes in the predictability of your menstrual period it's a little bit longer. Perhaps the intervals will increase between one period to the next. So we have those people who've said, I'm a 28-day person. I can time it to the sun, right, that my period is coming on. And yet when you're making this menopausal transition, you begin to notice those changes. The other indicator that perimenopause is at play is the onset of those hot flashes and night sweats. You feel this intensity of heat that is located centrally in your body begins to radiate out. It can be like a two-minute episode, but it's really, really intense. And it's accompanied by this flushing sensation and redness of the skin. And that can happen during the daytime. It can happen while you're sleeping. I hear a lot about, I was asleep. I woke up. I was sweating. I threw the covers off. And then I began to quickly cool down and I felt that I needed those covers back on. We call those vasomotor symptoms, hot flashes and nights so the vasomotor symptoms and the changes in the menstrual cycle are the two signs that are typically present when perimenopause is underway. The driver in this is estrogen. And so it is the aging of our ovaries where they are no longer producing estrogen, estradiol, that specific hormone in larger quantities. Ovulation becomes a lot less predictable because the ovaries are aging. That is sort of setting off This whole cascade. And so, with that decline in estrogen, we see these symptoms. Mm. Now, the thing about estrogen, it's a wonderful hormone and it works throughout the entire body our brains, our bones, our vaginas, our breasts. And so, as those estrogen levels decline, we might notice other symptoms beyond the bleeding and the hot flashes and night sweats. We think that estrogen likely regulates those, we call them neurotransmitters, those chemicals in our brain that help regulate mood. So in that we have these changes in these hormonal levels, we might also see mood swings, more irritability that many of our friends and many of my patients Will also complain about. So, this whole perimenopause, while it has a couple of specific things that we're looking at that are indicators that our ovaries are changing, our bodies are changing, we know that there are many, many more symptoms that women are experiencing.
0: Yes, it's funny. A friend of ours, Farah Miller, had a tweet go viral that was basically listing off all these symptoms. And it was like, is it allergies? You know, relating it back to COVID, right? Like all of these different Mm -hmm. symptoms. And then I I added in or perimenopause. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because it feels like that. I mean, headaches, back pain. Some women talk about flu-like symptoms. I imagine as a practitioner, it can be very difficult, or maybe it's easy because you have a woman, she's of a certain age, and she comes to you, but you are experienced. This is something that you train other people in. Unfortunately, I don't know how many other folks are there that are really understanding of all of these things. Like, how should we women address this with their practitioners? Like should they be talking to their OBGYN or their midwife or should they be going to their PCP? Just tell us what to do, who to talk to about these things.
1: I would say you need to be able to go to all of those individuals. And as you allude, we are at a period in medicine where we've had this long gap of not really training our practitioners and providers about menopause. And some of that stems from some studies, that were done, you know, more than 20 years ago and the way those results were rolled out have created a lot of fear on the patient side as well as on the provider side. So we're trying to make up that gap. And that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is helping healthcare providers better address the 60 million menopausal women that are in this country to make sure that we are providing this important care at this unique time period in a woman's life. So you You should be able to go to your OBGYN, your primary care physician, or your midwife, your advanced practitioner to be able to ask these questions. It is important to recognize that when we are in our 40s, approaching our 50s, there are a number of health conditions that may be cropping up at this time. There's a lot going on with us psychologically, socially, personally. So we don't want to misattribute other conditions, other things to menopause, to ovaries, or to declining estrogen levels when there could be something else at play. So, so having that conversation, empowering yourself with information and knowledge, I think is critically important when you initiate that conversation with your healthcare provider. I will often have patients come in and they say, you know, my moods are all over the place. And as we delve a bit deeper, maybe they are dealing with aging parents, preteens, teenagers who maybe they're going off to college. They've got a lot going on. Maybe their jobs are also changing. And so that level of stress, those changes that you may be experiencing, we can't attribute to the changing environment, the hormonal environment. Meeting with your practitioner to help sort out what is related to this physiologic change, i.e., perimenopause, menopause, is important to discern from other health conditions. Maybe there's a thyroid disorder, mental illness, depression. So
0: important to be able to sort that out. That's really helpful. It's very smart, obviously, for people, especially those of us who are, like I said, on Instagram, chatting with friends, and it feels like you have all these symptoms. It is possible that some Of them are related to something else. And you're not going to be able to know that unless you talk to your practitioner. So that's very, very smart advice. You know, I have gotten recommendations from people for different kinds of supplements, right? There are many on the market. There's Estroven, I think, Amberin, very interesting names. (laughs) There are all sorts of herbal supplements as well. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on those, whether that is something to talk to your practitioner about, whether it's effectively like a water pill or Is it somewhere in between? I think, you know, so many women are like, oh, what can we do? You know, we have a headache. We know we can take an aspirin or a Tylenol or an Advil, but we have all these symptoms. It feels like you should be able to do something. And yet there's nothing I can take. There's nothing I can add to my diet. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on those. Sure. I was in Costco one
1: day and I happened to be in the cookie aisle and I turned around and on the end cap was one of those products that you mentioned. And I was like, wow, this is great product placement. And when you see things in Costco in large quantities, I think it speaks to the need and the interest among people, right? So there's this market and women are out there and they want answers. Many of them want a natural solution to some of the problems that they are experiencing. Unfortunately, there is not great data to support the use of those products that you mentioned, as well as many other herbal products. I hear a lot about maybe I should just increase soy in the diet because soy kind of works like estrogen. And the reality there is the way in which individuals process soy is different and can differ on a genetic level. So, you know, it's not something I would recommend going out and eating a whole lot of edamame. It's likely <laughs> not going to make a difference right. in your hot flashes and your night sweats. The majority of those popularized, supplements that you will hear about, read about, that you will see scrolling on the internet are going to be ineffective for the symptoms that women are experiencing. So important to have that conversation Mm -hmm. with your healthcare provider. I see far too often that women are turning to these alternative products. Some are going to compounded bioidentical hormones, having hormones or different substances implanted into their skin. Oh, boy. Yeah, it gets really scary, Kristen. Some are having their blood levels, saliva levels drawn to assess their hormonal milieu or, you know, concentration. And really none of those things, you know, the amount of estrogen or testosterone in your blood may not be consistent with the level of symptoms. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a fool's errand, if you will. And it's a very expensive one because we are able to address many, of those symptoms with FDA approved therapies, whether they be hormonal or non-hormonal. This is an area that is critically important because I hate to see women delaying effective care and also enduring a whole bunch
0: of expense Mm -hmm. for therapies that are not effective. And I know our audience will certainly appreciate that. And I think as women, this is a big stage in our lives. It affects us in many aspects of our life. And we would go to a doctor for something else, right? And so I'm not quite sure where the disconnect and I speak from my own experience too. I don't know what the disconnect is for me to try to figure this out on my own when I certainly don't try to figure out like a pain in my leg by myself, you know? So I think we have to all give ourselves permission that this is important. This is a big life change. It's affecting us and we know it's affecting us. We're not sleeping well. We feel like perhaps that we've gained weight or we would seek help, right? So why are we not doing that? You know, I have a theory and it goes back to this
1: gap and fear that many healthcare providers have. And so we haven't been talking about menopause. We have you know, felt like we don't know what to do, if it's safe to give hormone therapy or not. So if we don't bring it up, they won't bring it up, and we're off the hook. Hmm. And I think we have done a generation of women and healthcare providers a disservice. Indeed. Your listenership, most are moms, right? And yes. so when I take my kids to the pediatrician for their annual visits, we leave with what we can expect our child to go through, grow through, develop over the next year. We call Mm -hmm. that anticipatory guidance. I would like to challenge my healthcare colleagues to provide anticipatory guidance for the 40-year-old woman who's coming in for her annual exam. I think we bridge this gap when we say, hey, in the next three to five years, your periods are gonna begin to change. You may begin to experience hot flashes and night sweats. You may be getting headaches. Sleep may be disrupted. And oh, by the way, your vagina may feel a little less lucid lubricate it, mm-hmm. it may feel dry. Mm-hmm. If you have those symptoms, I want you to come back yes! to me. Yes. And if we provide that anticipatory guidance, we can get good evidence out to our patients to make sure they are getting the right kind of care, that they are being taught about effective therapies that will actually work and turn them away from trying to go alone and go to Dr. Google and other places Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of information out there. You know, it's one of the beautiful things about living in this era that we live, but we don't want to turn our patients to misinformation because we've missed this opportunity to educate them. And so when you're waking up in the middle of the night because your sheets are wet and you can't sleep. What are we going to do? We're going to pick up our phones off the nightstand and we're going to begin to scroll and look for the solution. Mm -hmm. So if we can provide that information in advance and anticipate, then we capture our patients and we do them a better service. And it
0: makes it less scary, right? So then I know what to expect. I mean, I'll be honest, I had no idea. It's like I joke around that my memoir is going to be called One Good Week because that's what I feel (laughs) like I have, right? And I want to teach shirt that says I'm in my good week. Your good week. <laughs> <laughs> and I you're laughing because I, I think you know, right? You can relate to this. Like this is what's happening. I had no idea, right? Like I didn't know that during ovulation it would be, in my experience, as difficult now as the week before I get my period. Yes. And I'm finding that even when I get my period, I don't get the same relief that I used to. It takes a little longer for me to feel like and I will say myself again, yes. if you will. And no one told me. All of these things are a surprise. I heard about the hot flashes, the night sweats. I did hear about some of the things with like weight gain and you know, the mood swings and emotions, but there were some things that I hadn't. So I agree just giving us that information so that we can prepare ourselves. And then we know that our professional is on the hook. They're ready for our call when we're having those issues. So we're running out of time, but maybe you can just kind of make us all feel better in terms of like, that's normal. We're just going to record you saying that's normal, Dr. Williams. Um, (laughs) So we we can just play it. We can just hear it when we're, like, does it, is is it, do I feel like my skin or my face is like different? And then you can be like, that's normal. That's normal. That's normal.
1: That's normal. normal.
0: Right. (laughs) Well, you know, normalization
1: is so powerful. It is. And I cannot tell you how many women have wept in my office because they have internalized that I am the abnormal Mm -hmm. I am the only person going through this. I have literally, you know, you talk about not talking about something. Mm -hmm. I remember doing an annual exam and I said to the patient, do you have any vaginal dryness? And she immediately said, shh. And I thought, well, who else is in the exam room with us, right? You know, we're just having a conversation. Because she had experienced vaginal dryness, Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. It had impacted her sex life. And she didn't want to talk about it. And no one had talked to her about it. And when we had the conversation, we were Mm -hmm. able to prescribe some local vaginal estrogen. This woman's world changed. She had become what I call her my estrogen evangelist because we talked about it. She felt like she was abnormal. Mm -hmm. She was blaming herself for the change in the relationship that she had with her partner. And I have to say, like half of all menopausal women experiencing the same thing. You are not unique in that way. Exactly. That is normal. That is
0: normal. That's normal. That's normal. And also to normalize it with partners as well. Absolutely. So that partners understand this is what's happening. So let's talk a little bit just very quickly. I see a distinct, whether it's I'm holding more water or my pants are tighter, it changes for me over the course of a month. If I look in the mirror, my face looks different to me. My body looks different to me. And then it sort of evens out. Is that normal? That is normal. Totally normal. That is normal. What about these mood swings, these emotions? And they're not just limited to what I would consider PMS. I'm also experiencing them in the middle of my cycle or whatever that is. Is that something that's normal? It is. So estrogen
1: that's coming from the ovaries, you know, things are changing. The physiology of the ovary is changing. So you're not having these predictable ovulatory periods like you did before. So Mm -hmm. it's a wavy line. Mm -hmm. And while you might have in the past, been able to predict this is that time of the month. I'm going to be more moody. And as you alluded to, my period comes and all of that washes away. When your ovary is now going through that change, it's less predictable. So you may feel those mood swings at different time periods. The other piece of this, if you are not sleeping well because you're waking up throughout the yes. night, you're yes. going to be more irritable. Yes. There's no way around that, right? That makes so total sense. Sleep disruption as a result of hot flashes and night sweats is a real thing. And that contributes to mood swings and irritability.
0: And then last thing, what about weight gain? I know you probably have heard the sort of tire around the waist. Whatever we want to talk about, that seems normal. But why is that happening? Let's take women, you know, body image stuff. You're beautiful. We are beautiful in our bodies, how they are. But it's difficult when you have seen yourself in one way and you see yourself transitioning in another way. It's just a difficult thing. So can you just talk about that's normal. This is what happens. And just why? Why is that happening? Uh, So I get that question so frequently. We get that deposition
1: of weight in the mid-drift area. It can create what some people term the muffin top. Mm -hmm. And when we are having this sort of change in the ratio of estrogen to androgens, the way in which the body retains weight and where it deposits changes so that a lot of that is hormonally influenced. I will say if you hear nothing else that I say today is like when you are in your 40s, when you're making this transition, it is a critical time or developing risk factors for heart disease. This is where I say to patients, we have to double down. We've got to double down here. And you may have been able to exercise and have a diet and everything stayed in balance. You maintain the body shape and image that you liked. But when you are making this transition, things are changing. And we know that that weight around the midriff area can be really concerning. We know that blood pressure begins to creep up at this time. So I We'd like to think that this is the opportunity where we sort of tune up mm-hmm. so that we can address those cardiovascular risk factors because we're going to spend a third to a half of our life in menopause so we said that transition to menopause is about seven years life expectancy in this country 80 mm-hmm. so if you go into menopause at 51 you're going to spend at least 30 years of your life menopausal so what can we do uh. to improve our overall health so you need to change the way in which you're exercise Strength training is so important. Mm -hmm. Resistance training, we lose muscle mass and bone mass during this time period. So we've got to make some tweaks to preserve the strength and agility Mm -hmm. of our body. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to modify your diet. We should be doing that to make sure we're having a heart healthy diet, but also looking at the caloric intake to make that match the level of activity that we're doing, knowing that our body's baseline efficiency has changed because muscle is going to burn more calories than our fat cells. And if you're declining a muscle mass mm-hmm. because of the lack of estrogen stimulation, you're going to have a net retention of weight. If you do not modify,
0: it's like, if you talk to a doctor who knows what she's talking about, it all makes sense. Dr. Williams. (laughs) (laughs) That's normal. Yes. Fantastic. This is so helpful. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. So I just want to make sure folks know where to find you. You are on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, you're makeba Williams. It's M-A-K-E-B-A Williams, M-D. That's your Twitter handle. And then you are also on Instagram, although it doesn't seem like you use that as much as Twitter. It's Dr. Macaba Williams, D-R Macaba Williams on Instagram. Thank you so much. This has been super helpful and it's. it's. It's time for our Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! Dr. Williams, you're my guest. So you get to go first. Tell me what you got. So my pull picks of the week are these socks
1: that are called notes to self. I think all women need to be reminded of their greatness. And you look down on your feet and these socks that I have on today say I am amazing notes to self socks. So I encourage all of my friends and girlfriends to get some notes to self socks because we just need that at this time period in our lives.
0: We do. We need the happy. We need, we the, need happy. the happy. I love that. Notes to self socks. The affirmation. Absolutely. Well, yeah. my cool pick of the week is actually something that has been helping me with my night sweats, and that's the Pottery Barn Sleep Smart Blanket. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is so fantastic. A couple people recommended it to me, and it's good because you don't have to ingest it, which is always a little scary. You just yes, put it on yes. you, right? So it's like safer. I don't necessarily talk to my physician about it, but it really works. And if you go to the Pottery Barn website, we'll link everything up, of course, on Cool Mom Picks on our podcast page. It explains how it works. And it's a little longer winded than I want to get into, but it does. This past month, I have gotten the best sleep that I have gotten in a very long time. I have been exercising more. I have been eating better, but also I've been using the Pottery Barn Sleep Smart Blanket. So again, there's lots of stuff out there talk to your physician, talk to the professional in your life. We all can't have Dr. Williams, but we can access you on social media. And of course, you'll find everything we talked about on Cool Mom Picks. Dr. Williams, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Dr. McCabe Williams and our awesome engineer, John Bowen. Hey, listen, I talk a lot about my journey with perimenopause over on our Instagram account. So if you're not following us and you are in that journey yourself, make sure you're following it's Cool Mom Picks, P-I-C-K-S, over on Instagram. And we may or may not be, we'll see, starting up a newsletter, maybe close friends, a special group, all of those things. So if you want to stay tuned into that, make sure you're following us there. And of course, we're on Twitter and on Facebook. And a big thing that really doesn't take a lot of time or energy that we are so grateful for when you do is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And this is what happens. Like when you subscribe or download or leave us a review, even if you just click five stars, it actually helps us be seen and listened to by more people. It's that little thing called an algorithm. And so when Apple or wherever you listen is like, oh, that podcast, they got a review. Someone subscribed to them. It tells them to show us to more people. So it's actually really important. It takes two seconds to do. And you know, hey, the podcast is free. So if you can take a couple seconds to do that, we would be eternally grateful. You can also join us on Facebook. We have a spawned podcast community. We have Recipe Rescue and OutTech Your Kids, where we chat about all of these topics, technology, digital parenting, feeding your kids in a really fun, supportive, helpful way. So you can find us over on Facebook. And if you are not a cool mom pick subscriber, you know, an email subscriber, make sure you are, we are going to be making our email list super fun. We're going to have giveaways. We've got full length feature articles that you can't find anywhere else. Awesome deals from fantastic sponsors and wonderful friends of our website and just really great, helpful information right to your inbox. It's totally free. So you can head over to CoolMomPicks.com to subscribe. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Liz will be back next time. Have a great day. Bye.